Today's Intern Whisperer Employer Tip of the Week is vulnerability. It is a good thing. It is defined as a weakness or some area where you are exposed or at risk. We think of it as a bad thing. It really is a good thing. Everyone has fears and you can help the people in your culture create more inclusion by sharing what makes you human. Everybody, like I said, has fears. So diverse workplaces of today empower people to open up, to communicate clearly, and bring their full selves to the jobs. Being a vulnerable leader means that you're connecting with employees on a deep level and you build trusting relationships. So today's guest is Brian David Robinson. You got to make sure we have that middle name in there, who is the owner and founder of One Orlando Production. Hey, Brian, so glad to have you here today. Hey, how you doing? I am doing well. And I love the background. I can feel the vibes of Orlando Game Space coming right through Zoom. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Got some stuff going on on the walls and all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. And we have that whole picture behind you. What's the name of the poster? Oh, that one's the one, Escape from New York. That ah. was a, a big 1997 movie. Uh, it's pretty, a lot of fun. I remember watching it back then. Oh, that, that's making us uh, go back. And I don't know, what is that? Like 20 years, 30 years, 30. Yeah, 97. Wow. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> for sure. Um, our show is all about education, innovation, and the future of industries and jobs, in case you did not know that. So we always lead off uh, and ask our guests, Tell us five words that describe you and why those five words. It's a little bit easier if you either say the word and then why, or if you tell me all five, I'm going to write it down and help, help you remember. <laughs> all right. Well, five words. I would say the first one would be ambitious and ambitious because um, I try to set people always talk about not setting lofty goals, but I think you really need to set your goals extremely high. Because even if you fall short a little bit, you're still way ahead of the curve. And if you just, you know, you got to set the goal and then backtrace it. We're starting today and how do I get there? And a lot of times you over exceed those goals because every day you're improving, getting towards it and you're putting that energy out to get it. Next one is fun. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I like to laugh. I like to have fun with um, when I'm working. I don't like to take myself too serious. Um, our office is located in the, um, uh, Orlando game space. And so plenty of gamers and offices, as you know, around and uh, get to dress casual and have a good time. Um, so yeah, I know I just get, I don't like to stress out. So I like to enjoy myself. Uh, determined. Um, my cousin said once that I was the most determined person she ever met. Um, you know, you just keep going. And if something doesn't work, you try something else. And if that doesn't work, you try something else. And, you know, you just keep going for it. You know, um, it's between a um, a beginner and a master at anything to me is just that you've had more failures, you know, more opportunities to learn. Um, yes, there are opportunities. That's key. Oh, you know that, you know, that's right. I mean, I got, yeah. I'm sure you got plenty of stories too. <laughs> <laughs> and they're mine, my stories, not like intern stories. They're actually mine. Like, Oh, I wish I had known this. <laughs> oh, Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you got a great story. I mean, you know, where you wouldn't be where you're at without them, you know, none of us would be. Um, four, uh, visualizer. Um, I like to, vi I, I see things. So I, people, when I'm talking to them, they're like, you okay. And I just kind of zone out, but I'm visualizing what I'm talking about, whether it's the next scene, something that's happening in a production, we're talking about doing shot lists and stuff. I just kind of zone out and I see what it would look like. 
and then you know start talking about it through there and I also visualize what I'm trying to accomplish so to me I'm a very visual person and um, couldn't work the way I do without it mm-hmm. and the last and the last one that is a you trait and a me trait as well is self-starters you know you can't be an entrepreneur you can't start a business if you're not a self-starter if somebody has to drag you out of bed in the morning if somebody has to push you to keep going you're never going to get there you have to be the one that's pushing yourself and you have to be the one that you know you see the dream and you have to lead the team and without that you're not getting anywhere Yep, I can uh, totally relate to all of those words for sure. I thought you would have had one that said chef because when I was on your Facebook page and I was Googling you to get pictures, I saw so many pictures of you in your chef coat. I didn't see the big, tall, fancy hat, but- I don't know where it feels like you're balancing something on your head. You got to can't cover this bald head, this sexy head. You know, you got to- <laughs> you gotta leave it you gotta leave it out there <laughs> gotcha well anyway i was expecting food or chef or something related to food to be one of your five words so that's okay but so how did you where did you go to college if you didn't go to college where did you go from school and how did you get to where you are now because i've in the office you've told me some really good stories so i'm hoping that you'll do the same here <laughs> okay well, let me touch base real quick before there on the chef thing. So, um, you know, the reason why I don't have it listed, so to speak, as one of my five is because all those traits you need as a chef. And so a chef is a leader of people, not just a culinarian, you know, so the title chef means that you're a leader, just like a general or anything else. And being a general, you're like a generalist. So you mm-hmm. have to be able to wear many hats and do many things. So to me, my martial arts students call me chef. Um, my friends, most of them call me chef. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm used to that name and, and it seems to stick. Um, and while I am a chef, it's what led me to where I'm at and gave me all those traits. All right. So starting back at the beginning, um, what was your first college experience then? Um, well, for me, actually, it, um, what led me where I'm at is I grew up in upstate New York, uh, for a good part, part of my growing up. And the only thing to do in there is there was an Italian area and cook. And so all my jobs were cooking, uh, pastry shops, restaurants, um, all of that stuff. And um, I was an athlete, but uh, I took home ec and uh, to hang out with the girls, as any guy could relate to. <laughs> and uh, um, I got an A and I wasn't very good in school because I didn't know I was severely dyslexic challenging me I was everybody you know read slow and I have a hard time reading and stuff and uh one of my uh, big challenges um but uh yeah he, he sent me to vocational school half a day of high school half a day of vocational school uh for cooking I got an A he said that's probably the only way you're going to graduate high school <laughs> and so I went for two years got two A's which was half my high school credit and uh with that my guidance counselor and my mother got me into the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park New York and that was my college, my chef school, and I call it the the Navy Seals of cooking back then. It was that was school eight- is really good. It's CIA, and it doesn't mean you know Central Intelligence Agency. That's why I didn't say that. <laughs> I know. But I mean, I know I visited that school with somebody else that was going to go, considering going there at the time, and I was so impressed. That is one of the best schools I think in the country you can go to. Oh, absolutely. If not the world, um, that and um, the um, Cordon Bleu in France is um, 
is rated, you know, always went back and forth back then between them and them and then Johnson and Wales right in there as well, J&W. We always call J&W the other school. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that is, that is super cool. So you're from New York and New York is known as the melting pot of all kinds of ethnicities. And there's so many places to eat. How many types of cuisine have you made? And what is your favorite one? I know that wasn't one of the questions I gave you. But again, <laughs> I'm looking at your Facebook page. And I went, this guy knows how to cook. You have all of these pictures of food. Oh, yeah. Well, growing up in my family, and also in the community, um, big Italian food. Um, very traditional, very classical, very much, you know, right from the old country, very, um, you know, um, authentic, very, yeah, authentic, original ways to cook. And so um, I became an Italian specialty chef between um, entrees and pastries as well. And then when I went to chef school, I fell in love with French cooking oh. and um, really enjoyed it um, tremendously. And so I picked up French as my, as my second, although I cook all ethnicities. Um, I've adopted Indian style cooking and, um, I I'm known as the healthier choice chef and I work with families and kids. And so to do that, to make healthy foods and all these wonderful flavors, I turn to each of the ethnicities, you know? So when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at, you know, here's an ethnic background. What kind of flavor profiles do they have? You know, and when you go to Italy, when you go to France, when you go to any country, right? Even here, when you're going into um, into any rural area, right? You're going to go in and you're going to find like, okay, when, when you go to Italy, they're out there picking grapes. They're out there working in the fields. Well, they're making what I call peasant dishes. These dishes are have to be hearty. They have to be flavorful, just like in our Midwest, if you will. You know, they have to give them nutrition, it has to give them energy. They have to be out there all day. And they also, because of that, they have these wonderful flavors to them, you know, but that comes from the nutrition. So with that, and looking at how to cook healthy, I mean, I've, I've loved Spanish cooking. I've loved um, Jamaican food. You know, all of these have these wonderful flavor profiles. So for me, French and Italian, but I must say every culture to me has something wonderful to add. Mm. So I've never made like pasta from, from scratch. And so maybe I think this would be a really fun activity to have down at OGS is a cooking class with you. And you could teach us how to make real pasta and bring one of those things so we can squish it and make it super. Thin. Yes. Yep. Yes. Like that would be a fun thing to do. Pasta is, is, it is fun to make. And you will spend a lot of time laughing because it does take some work and stuff and a little oh, skill set. Um, the biggest thing with making pasta is you want to let, you know, when you're making it and stuff, you want to let it rest, you know, because you want to mm -hmm. let it rest up a little bit. So that way, when you cook it, it comes out right. If you rush it too fast, it can come out doughy. And yeah. so and some it's, pasta, it's all about getting the gluten just right. Absolutely. Working it just right. In some pastas, you want to make... Um, as an example, when you get lasagna sheets, you know, those have been dried out for a purpose. You know, most pastas you'll get are dry. Um, the drier you make it, the more moisture it's going to soak in um, when you cook it and stuff, you know, be able to take it to, and develop the gluten, like you said. Mm. So, yeah, One of the things that I do when I make lasagna, I haven't done this in a while though, but I take the... Um, the dried noodles, like what you're describing, the lasagna, and I put a layer of tomato sauce, and then I put 
you know, I just layer it, but I put tomatoes in there too. And it's almost kind of watery. And I let it sit after I layer everything, you know, going meat sauce on the bottom or whatever sauce and noodles and cheese and sauce and noodles and cheese, like all the way up. And then I pour more around it. I let it sit overnight so it can get really nice and absorb the liquid. And then I bake it. Uh, let me ask you this. When you put your noodles in there, are you putting them in raw? Like they as far are as not cooked. They are raw. Perfect. Perfect. That's what you want to do. Because um, one mistake is people make you cook the pasta first, but then it leaches out all that water. Right. So the, the sauce is enough. And all the liquid in there is enough to cook your pasta and your pasta absorbs all that flavor. And yeah. And you get a much better flavorful. Uh, yeah. Pasta. Yeah, I've noticed that. And it does taste, it tastes better even when I let it sit in the refrigerator and let the, the dried noodles absorb the liquid. It just tastes so much better, man. I really want to go make lasagna now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming over then. Let's, let's make lasagna. We'll have a lasagna party. Uh, that's what I'm saying. We should do something like that down at the office. We could have a cook-off. Who has the best lasagna? Kind of like chili, but do it with lasagna. And you're Italian. So I expect you to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up in an Italian area, but I'm actually uh, Cuban and Native American. Oh, never mind then. Okay, so let's talk about being Native American. Where are you from? Are you from a tribe or what? Um, well, I am uh, third generation born off a reservation in New York. I am actually, um, my grandfather was Blackfoot. My grandmother was Cherokee. And so they met and my mother, um, my great-grandmother, um, was a shaman and um, on the tribe and her father was the chief. And so uh, yeah, I have a very uh, unique background in that. Um, and so Pipa, um, um, great grandfather um, was uh, um, an amazing man. My mother tells me lots of stories and stuff um, about, uh, about the tribes and about you know the history and stuff of our family. Um, and for most people don't realize that Native Americans don't follow um, the father, it follows the, the female in, in, really? in the tribe. So, you know, I did not know that. So I was, I think I shared this with you, but I was born on a historic Indian site in Kansas. And when my, my dad is really big into ancestry.com and he's done a whole lot of uh, tracing of the family tree. We had somebody had an American name. I'll make it up like Mary Smith, whatever. And she was buried in a historic Indian ceremonial graveyard. And I'm going, how can this not be that we don't have, you know, an Indian in our family? Because it's supposedly on my mother's side. And it would have been like, great, 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 like three greats back, three generations. Well, me, one, two, three, four five, six generations back. So obviously nobody that I would know, but my dad, when we did the, um, you can do the spit test with ancestry.com. Oh, yes. yep, yep. Yeah. For the DNA. And it shows that there wasn't any, you know, any Indian families name, any Indian family names connected with our name. So that doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that nobody had connected those dots. Anyway, it's disappointing. Right. Well, well, that, and just so you know, um, one of the amazing things about the Native American tribes, especially Cherokee and stuff like that, is that they they took in so many people into their tribes from other backgrounds as well, and everything from um, the settlers and stuff to people that they did battle with and stuff and captured, 
they treat them so well that they joined, they wanted to join their tribe and ended up joining their tribe. So you have people who might not have had a Native American uh, mother or father, but still grew up in that tribe. And, you know, and, and so, you know, might not have the DNA of the people in that tribe per se, but still were registered as far as, you know, being a part of that tribe. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it hard to follow. My mother's a historian in our family for that. And, you know, there's so, it's so hard. She even has a hard time following and tracing all the different lineages and stuff because of that, mm -hmm. you know, and finding written records. I find it interesting that you're this blend of Cuban and then the American Indian. How did that happen? Where did, because like, did somebody from Cuba come over here? Is that how, they, I would assume that's how they met somebody from, you know, the American yes. Indian tribe. Yeah, so my mother was living in New York. Um, my biological father uh, escaped Cuba when he was 17 by, in, by way of Venezuela. Uh, my grandfather on, the, on his side, his father um, was a general in the Cuban army and got killed when Fidel Castro took over. Oh, wow. and, uh, so they were smuggled into Venezuela and then into the United States um, and uh, met my mother in New York, um, you know, um, coming in and stuff. Um, and then they were together for a bit. Um, and then the short version is he ended up going off into the military and stuff like that. I was raised with my mother and then my dad, who she married later and adopted me, hence the last name, uh, being Robinson. So me and my brother were both adopted um, by my dad. And that's how we got the last name Robinson. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, with uh, with that, my brother on the Native American side, they're all tall, right? Six foot, six foot tall. And my brother's six foot two. My nephew, his son, is six foot eight. Um, all my uncles are over wow. six foot tall. I'm five nine, and I, I have light skin, um, and, and a smaller and a smaller build. Um, I take after uh, the Cuban side, and I actually um, followed my heritage on the Cuban side just to you know look it up and everything. And it's really interesting. It goes uh, my biological last name um, when I was born. Um, my birth name is Juncosa, J-U-N-C-O-S-A. And that um, in Jacosa, Spain, is actually a town founded by our family line wow. on that side. And it's on the east coast, northern east coast, um, near the coast of Spain. Um, and I Googled that. And in the 14th century, the family, some of the family line moved to Cuba. And so, but in that town, if you see pictures of people, they look like this funny looking face right here. <laughs> <laughs> So did you also ever get to meet anybody that was from your family that was American Indian? I, uh, I actually knew my great grandmother. So I, I don't think that's normal. I think most people are not that lucky to know, you know, three generations, you know, their parents, their grandparents and great grandparents. But I did. Did you? Yes. Yeah, so um, uh, Grandma Cahill, um, who had left the reservation, she lived in New York and as a child used to go visit her. Um, she lived to be, I believe, 99 years old. Um, and so we used to visit her, um, little lady. And then um, uh, my grandmother, um, well, and on my grandmother's side, um, her mother was a shaman. My grandmother had was a seer. She had psychic abilities and stuff, you know, things that she saw. She couldn't touch her hands. Uh, it passed on to my mother and myself as well. Um, so we all have that trait. Um, and... Uh, which helps me actually in the martial art world, but uh, that's another story. <laughs> but, okay, uh, well, we have time. But, so I, I definitely want to talk about one Orlando, you know, 
that your company. So we can totally. pull that one in, but this is a great conversation for sure. Oh yeah. Well, um, with that, um, I did meet, you know, several people, you know, especially growing up, we got to go and meet people, you know, and, and go to the reservation and so forth. Um, in our, in our family history on the Cherokee side, um, the government had moved us, um, our tribe anyway, um, because they found oil on the property and moved us to the springs, um, this area that ended up, we find had natural springs. And when Pipa, my great grandfather passed away, um, the government wouldn't allow um, the springs to be passed down in our, in our family line because it was Native American, because they wanted to claim it. And so they claimed it after he passed away and took that as far off the reservation as well, moved us again. So um, those were unfortunate things, um, but, uh, but, you know, and it is what it is. But as far as the seeing and stuff, uh, um, I was training in martial arts since I was 14. And um, when I started taking Kung Fu when I was 20, 21 years old, I started learning about energy and chi and Chinese martial arts and internal Qigong and all of that. And that really explained a lot to me because I would grow up and like, here's an example. In high school at 14 years old, I walked into an English class and then I sat down and about two minutes went by and a teacher was writing on the blackboard. And then all of a sudden like that, I was literally back at the, at the doorway, walking in again and experienced the, the two minutes all over again. And so <laughs> I had entered the doorway for everybody else. It was like a hundredth of a second went by, but for me, two minutes went by from me walking in, sitting down. And it wasn't like a deja vu where people like feel like something. I actually experienced everything um, like a metaverse, if you will. I just experienced everything going through all the way for two minutes. And then once back at the doorway, walking in and doing it again. And I used to experience things and, and I still do things like that all the time. Another you know, that comes straight out of the matrix. Just <laughs> well, I didn't see a cat walk by and freeze. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that you're talking about. People may say, oh, that sounds really strange, but like a world in a world, that's what yes. we're talking about. Oh, here's, here's a crazy one. If you want to go on that line real quick. So I was working <laughs> for Disney. Okay. Um, back when I was 20, 21 years old and um, about three months earlier, because usually my visions happen three months in advance. I can usually feel and know when they've happened. And then I see them again. Well, um, I'm driving to Disney, okay? And my car breaks down, okay? And smoke out the back and stuff like that. The rings had gotten shot and I had a Z28 at the time. People loved it and everything. It was a mid condition body and it was an older car, um, but the rings had gone and I couldn't afford to get it fixed. And this is what they told me at Disney. And previous to this, three months earlier, I had a vision that this happened in that my car was in an airport hangar, like an airplane hangar type thing, a big hangar, and that I was against my car. And then another guy came up and talked to me and offered me money. And we switched positions where I was against the, the, the um, counter and he was leaning against my car and offered me money for my car. And I declined and made a counter offer and he accepted. And it was a weird dream to me. Well, three months later, that happens, right? Now here's the crazy part. So, I didn't recognize it when my car had that because I, I wasn't remembering it at the moment and my car um, started smoking and um, they towed it and they towed it to if anybody's been at Disney and has seen the shop that's there, it was like the size of an airport hangar. It was gigantic. Okay. Yeah. An airport hangar. So they towed it in there 
and I, I didn't recognize it at first. And they told me how much it was going to be to fix and I couldn't afford it. And so my roommate at the time said, hey, he knows somebody who collects those and might be interested in making an offer. But when I went in to meet him, like he was going to meet me there and I went in to meet him when I came in and he leaned against my car, all of a sudden I shot like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it was an outer body experience. I literally went to the top of the roof of the hangar and looked down at myself and him and him make me the offer. And I made him the counter offer and he accepted. And then I came flying back into my body and I'm, and I'm sitting there looking at him and he makes, and I'm, I'm like, what the heck just happened? He makes me the offer. And I knew he was going to accept my counter offer no matter what I make. Cause like I knew what to make the counter offer for. Cause I'd already experienced it and made the counter offer to him and he accepted it. And it was just like, I, I experienced things like that all the time. So, I mean, to that degree, and uh, you know, I, I see a lot of things and I, I, not to keep going off on this tangent, but you know, I've even had a, a crazier one where I had an outer body experience when I was riding my motorcycle and I thought I was dreaming that I was flying over my apartment complex and I saw my motorcycle riding. And this was like about a year later, maybe or less. And I used to drive my motorcycle like a crazy person and, you know, being a young guy and everything. And I saw my motorcycle and I wanted to be on it. And so I was flying behind my motorcycle and I right behind my helmet and my head goes through the helmet and I see this white tunnel. And all of a sudden I see my hands go into the hands. We go around the curve, a red hatchback car pulls out. The motorcycle gets laid down. I go right between the tires. My body hits in the midsection. I come up and hit it. And when I hit the side of the car like that, my body goes flying right over my bed. Like I was laying on my back sleeping, which I never do. And I came flying over and I literally hit the wall, physically hit the wall and fell down the wall. And I got up. I'm like, what just happened? So I got I like, it was, it was like one of those Dr. Strange moments. And, uh, and I get up, I look at my clock and it goes 5.59, six o'clock. And I thought I had the craziest, wildest dream. And I went flying across my room and I'm like, what the heck happened? My roommate was coming home that night slash that morning from work and saw the accident and thought it was me because it was my bike smashed. A guy had liked my bike and painted it like mine, who was one apartment building over. He was coming in and, and, and hit a red hatchback car right there and right, right at the entrance. And my roommate was so sure it was me that they had to pull the wallet out of the back of the guy's pocket because he was, they had to cut the door off because he was just like I had seen, he was right there. And that scared the heck out of me. And to me, I thought it was like a warning to slow down and, you know, and drive a little safer. So yeah, I have crazy, crazy stories of vision. Yeah, those are, those are, those are, what color was your, um, now, as you said, a Z28, that's a Camaro, right? Um, the Z28. Um, oh, G? Uh, Z28. Z28. Um, so it says that's a Camaro. I did a real yeah. quick search on that one. What color was it? Red. I thought so. Did it have white stripes down the hood too? Nope, but it had black louvers on it. <laughs> hmm. I see some of those up here on display and I'm going, wow, that was like, that's an old school car there, but it was one of the muscle cars for sure. Yep. yep. Yeah, oh, yeah. very, very popular. I can see that. Um, going back to what is Orlando production? One Orlando production. What is that? Okay. Well, um, from my background being, I was in Columbus, Ohio for a while. And then down here, um, we had put a film production together called Black Salt. 
And um, I also was working on a television production and many other productions while I was up there and down here. Um, and one of the challenges that not only myself, but so many people come across is finding good qualified talent. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people who have talent, but the term starving artists, if you're a chef, but you don't understand business, you're going to have a really hard time and you're going to be fighting with your GM, right? And you're going to have a hard time keeping a job. Well, in the entertainment industry, you might have people who can sing, people who can videography, people can do this, but can they get their business done? Can they get their paperwork done? Can they handle their business as a professional? And that's the seems to be the thing that most people don't get trained. Just like when you go to college, I went to chef school. They didn't, they taught us about numbers and stuff, but they didn't teach us how to lead a business, how to run a business. Right. And I've spoke at companies and turned restaurants and businesses for 20 years. I learned that trait, that craft. And so I, I got tired of coming across somebody, whether it was a director, whether it was a, um, an animator, whoever, who couldn't get the job done. They might be able to do something great skill set wise and have talent, but they can't get a deadline. They can't follow orders. They can't get what the client's asking for. And, you know, it made a bunch rough. So all of that challenges led me to creating one Orlando Productions um, with a, a gentleman named, by the name of Stoneface, who him and I met. And um, he has uh, Face Forward Media and he's my business partner. We came together and we were same thing. We were working together on some projects and we came across a project that was having the same challenges. And this is going back to this early August and I, last August. And I said, you know, let's make a collaborative community. Let's vet out people and only accept people who understand and have a, an LLC and people who could have started a small business and who are self-starters who can get their jobs done, but and also have the skill set and have that balance and, uh, you know, uh, being professionals. And they might not, they might be the business professional, but they don't have the resources for marketing. They might not have the resources or the contacts or the branding to get their name out there, but they can do a terrific job. Mm -hmm. And so we started vetting out people and based on that criteria and interviewing them just like they would for a job, but for their company. And then this wonderful thing happened. A friend of mine, uh, Wendy Cohen, um, she was in Orlando game space and she's a realtor. And I met her when I was turning a restaurant and um, we met and uh, had a great conversation and she was here and she said, well, you know, there's a, there's a group like that, that does gaming. And I hadn't heard of it because I haven't been in the gaming world that much, although I have been in it, but not to that extreme. And uh, I came out here and met everybody and loved the concept. And I met with a gentleman named Chad, who you know, and yes. Kumal, and they interviewed me. And I said, you know, we have a collaborative community we've started, and but it's in entertainment in a different way, film and television and media, um, as opposed to gaming. And would you be willing to mentor us? And they interviewed me and had to see my background and yeah, we went through an extensive, you know, question and answer series. And, you know, can I get my business done? I love the fact that can you add value to us and can we add value to, to, to them mm -hmm. and, and to the community? And that meant a lot. And I learned a lot in a very short time, um, just in the interview process. I was examining everything and learning as much as I could. And uh, they welcomed us. And, uh, you know, we've been here since November. And uh, I've just had a wonderful experience in time and I've learned hand over fist. And so we are currently doing um, a couple of new projects and um, we've brought on, um, we're doing, working on two television programs, a streaming series um, in our collaborative community, which 
um, is fantastic. We have all this wonderful, amazing talent. And yeah, we have like about four or five video production companies. We have your company, Cat5 Studios is my company also that's down there. There's Dave Vance, there's Landon Hale, there's, um, ooh, I can't think it's, I know there's another one too. And I can't think of the gentleman's name right now, but uh, Timberwood, I think it's Timberwood Technology. Uh, no, Timberwood Video, something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's a number of us down there. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things I loved is I um, is I started using the term insourcing because, you know, we have, you know, there's over 20 companies here and we have six with us that we've brought in and um, that, that are in the one Orlando uh, production um, world. And we're trying to make it 10. And we've got a editing company, uh, CJY Creatives um, out in Tampa, and he actively works on commercials and television shows. And, you know, we have a, um, a, um, a marketing company that has joined us. And so it takes that off my plate that I was working on. And, and the wonderful thing about insourcing, and you mentioned Dave Vance, you know, Dave Vance, the Orlando Life, if anybody knows, you know, he does phenomenal things with that. Um, our show, we are insourcing to him to do the interview section for the show our TV series. And so to be able to collaborate with everybody here to do, you know, to work together as a team, to network and communicate is just wonderful. And it just jumpstarts what we're doing because we get to learn, plus we get to grow um, even quicker. So we're definitely enjoying that. And, and I'll tell you, while we have a, we're considered a production company in the sense that we do production work, everything's coming in, but we're working together as our team and then within the team of Orlando Game Space as well to make it happen. So yeah. I think it's a wonderful collaborative community and, and a great concept that Kunal and, and Chad and, every, and every, all you guys are working on, which is mentoring us to do the same. So great yeah. brand. It's really, it is. I love being down there, to be honest, too. So little kudos to Kunal, to Chad, to everybody else that's there, Bobby and, and Kyle and just all of them, you know, A squared, we can talk about code firm, we could talk forever on all of the companies that are down there. They're good people. Um, okay, so you talked about that. I do want to make sure that we pull in the fact that you also do the martial arts. And but I need to take a quick little break here to acknowledge our sponsor. So give me just a minute to Give a shout out for Cat5 Studios. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. We're back over here. Tell us about being a martial arts expert because you are like Dos Equis, man. You have all of these skills and things that you know. <laughs> and so that makes you one of the most interesting men that people should know. <laughs> well, actually, I think you're far more interesting than I am by far. I might be funnier looking, but you're more interesting. I've, I've heard your stories and got to spend time with you. And to me, you're much more interesting than I am. But thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll be in each other's fan club that way for yeah. sure. Um, well, the martial art end. Um, well, I officially started martial arts when I was 14. My brother hates me saying this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, he was my first martial art teacher. That's the way I see it. Um, mm -hmm. Since we were three and four years old, we fight like brothers do, but he was mm -hmm. always much bigger than me. I'm five, nine. 
He's six foot two. I'm a medium frame. He's a large frame. He's always been that big comparison. And I was the little brother who always asked for it and was the interior, you know, the instigator and, you know, caused problems and all of that. And so it was, it was on me completely. Um, but we were those kids. We didn't roll around and slap each other. We punched each other. And as we grew up, we put me through the drywall and, you know, we, I think that sounds like everybody's brothers because my brothers did that too. I don't think it means that you guys were exclusive to it. I've heard way more stories about brothers taking the other one and putting them through the drywall. I remember my brothers doing it. Oh yeah. We put me through and out through the other way. He'd ride me yep. down the stairs and we hit each other with bats and, you know, we, we fought, um, left bruises and, um, that taught me to never be afraid of anybody and to never give up. Um, and it taught him to, to never, uh, never let somebody up, keep punishing them. <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> um, but, uh, from there, you know, I took Taekwondo, um, when I was in high school, a gentleman by the name of Tiber kiss, um, was going for his black belt then. And he took me under his wing and we were in soccer together. And from there, um, I ended up taking Kung Fu when I was uh, 20, 21 years old, um, in Pai Lam, uh, with Grandmaster, uh, Glenn C. Wilson. And, um, and everybody knows who Ed Parker is. You'll see that famous Ed Parker tournaments with uh, that had uh, Bruce Lee in it. And that's where he was recognized and everything has made his entrance into uh, entertainment was noticed there and everything from the movies. Um, they were cousins and um, it just made a huge impact on my life. Uh, Kung Fu opened my eyes to so many things, internal martial arts, healing herbs. Um, and I trained with people like uh, Master Tom Turcott, who was a doctor and a martial artist also in Pailam. Uh, trained with him for 29 years. He changed my life in so many ways, as, as well as Glenn did, uh, Master Wilson. And then um, everyone that is probably older than 35 would probably recognize with about movies and film and crossover, uh, Bloodsport. Um, Never heard of it. Okay, well, Bloodsport was a movie back in the 80s done by, um, it was done by a gentleman by the name of Van Damme, John Claude Van Damme. Okay made a big presentation and doing that film, portraying a guy named Frank Dukes. Well, um, his teacher in the movies was a guy named Tanaka. In the real life, Tanaka actually dies when Frank's 13. And somebody else who taught him, who learned from Tanaka as well, was a guy named Grandmaster Lawrence Day, who I met when I was 25 and 26 years old and trained me. And uh, I trained with him until he passed away about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and him and then somebody else who just passed away was Grandmaster um, Don Madden, who's the coach of the United States team. And I got to be in train with him as well for 20 plus years. Um, you know, so great mentors, great people. Um, my martial art background went from me being very aggressive and hard style and short tempered to uh, people understand uh, Wing Chun and being um, more relaxed, calm in the moment, um, things like that. I got to do private security work because of it, private bodyguard work because of it. Um, I got wonderful mentors in those areas. Uh, I got to train police and military. Um, and wow. uh, compete, you know, there's that Geico commercial, you know, where they're asking the lizards. So like, you know, Geico's 89 years old. It goes, do you mean like, I, you think I'm 89 years old? And I'm sitting here thinking of everything you've done in your life. I'm going, gosh, you got to be like 250 years old because you have all of these different career paths that you've done. And it's just, I know that they're overlapping with each other, 
but it's really, it really is amazing. I, I think that um, the biggest takeaway from, you know, what you've been sharing here is that, you, you know, we're going to go back to those five words that you said uh, back at the beginning that you're ambitious. Definitely you're hitting that one. Um, determined, visualizer, self-starter, and fun. I think you've embraced all of those words and every single thing that you've been sharing here on the show so far. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, and it's kind of you to say that for me, when I share things, I never, honestly, people looked at me as the underachiever growing up. I barely graduated high school. Um, I played but sports. Look, you were a culinary master. So like, that doesn't mean like, we don't all fit in the same mold is the point, right? Right. right. And, and for me, if I can say this, you know, when my dad passed away, when I was 18, right before I went into chef school, I almost failed out of chef school when I went in because I didn't know how to study. And I had to humble myself and ask some people how to study because one thing I thought of, my mother was raising my 11 slash 12-year-old sister, right? She was 11 turning 12. And I was like, there's no way anybody's ever going to have to take care of me. And the work ethics that my dad gave me, um, you know, was like, you're going to do this and you're going to get through it. And with that, you know, I asked how to learn. At the time, I was 18 years old. The, uh, the, the next person next to me in age was 28. I was, mm -hmm. I was the first teenager um, to, to attend and graduate as a teenager. And mm -hmm. so it was a huge learning curve. I was definitely outmatched and outclassed there. And I ended up graduating at the top of my school because I learned how to learn. The thing about that is on my life's journey, if you will, um, I always make the joke that I, why do you do cooking and martial arts are two different things. And I said, well, I have to take martial arts to defend my cooking. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then the martial arts led to entertainment just because I got honored and lucky enough to be on TV cooking mm -hmm. when I was in Ohio. And with that, uh, Roger McCoy from Channel 10 News back then asked me to be on um, from stuff that I did and then cooking with Johnny D and I wanted to do a good job. So I took cooking lessons or um, um, acting lessons. And cause I wanted to do a good job on and understand it, what I'm doing on, when I'm on there cooking. And that just led me to where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just, I wasn't, I didn't try to do all these things. I just kind of was inspired and just ended up doing them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So what are, four ingredients that you can, because we're talking about chef stuff also, what are yes. four ingredients that you can take and make something amazing? Like on chopped. Okay. Um, these, these answers will probably sur surprise you because I can cook high end foods and all this stuff. No, I've seen the pictures. I know you can cook anything. Honestly, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, no, you are definitely going to have some serious cooking in the office. Now that I've seen all of that stuff that you can do and go, um, no, he's been holding out. That. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you three of my favorites. My first favorite is hot chocolate. Anybody who knows me knows I don't really drink coffee mm -hmm. unless it's coffee con leche. So for me, um, hot chocolate. So if you got milk and, and cocoa, put caramel in there for the sugars and some Baileys, mm -hmm. phenomenal hot chocolate. There's one with four ingredients. Another one that I started making for kids, um, my healthier choice stuff is called a power wrap. And that is a flour tortilla, peanut butter, and trail mix. Um, and you also want to throw some sliced bananas in there or something with the dried bananas in the trail mix. That's delicious. You wrap it up. 
Um, you can you don't have to refrigerate it. You can eat it all day. It has fastest slow sugars, fastest slow carbs. So it builds your metabolism, keeps you full. And mm -hmm. the last one is, and this is for the higher end foodies, is a seedless watermelon. And you cut it into a cube like a steak and you press it, okay, to get a lot of the water out and it becomes meatier. And then you take an English cucumber, which is a seedless cucumber as well. And you slice that lengthwise with a peeler. And then you wrap it around, looks like a present. And then you put um, balsamic glaze over the top going across. Beautiful. And you can put it on the bottom beforehand or on, on top over it. And you have this beautiful present. You got this meaty, healthy flavors and with the, with the natural sugars of the balsamic glaze and everything. And that is a fantastic, fantastic appetizer. Um, and for anybody who's vegetarian will love it. I want that. I want you to bring that in and I want to make that now. You're like, you're, you're killing me with all of this really good stuff. <laughs> well, you know, we are going to be doing a YouTube channel here as well for cooking and for food and information about healthy food. So you're, you're, I'll bring you in. You could be my right hand all the time. You know what? I think that's a really great idea. I love that idea so very, very much because we could have, you know, it'd be cooking with, a, you know, everybody from the office and we could say, okay, what is your favorite thing that you would want to make? Honestly, it would be really hard for me because I would either pick lasagna. Okay. I'm going to pick that one or crepes. I love making crepes and I would pick the dessert ones for sure. Those are so exquisite. Um, and then if I was going to pick one other thing, I don't know, probably, um, I make these, these vegan or veggie, um, meatballs. Mm -hmm. I think I would pick those. Yeah. That's what Great. I would say. Yeah. All right. So we're closing in here and I'm going, we, we have not covered anything like what I had thought we would be accomplishing here, but that's, that's all. <laughs> well, you know, the show always goes in any direction that it wants to go. I don't try to um, make sure that I follow that, but what is, uh, what are your goals for 2022? Because you have a lot of things that you're doing here. You have, you know, your, your one Orlando production, you're pulling together a community of people in video, you do events, you also cook, you also are involved in nonprofit, you also have these things that you do over on the side, like, you know, your martial arts, and then your teaching. So what are your goals in 2022? What have you not done that you're trying to add to the list? Oh, you've done your homework. Wow. You've, <laughs> wow, you really know. Well, I listen to you also, though. <laughs> I'm not listening to you, but I am listening to you. Oh, you're a wonderful listener. You are. And you're a great, you know, at sharing resources and communicating too. Um, it's absolutely love you. Um, okay. So for 2022, a um, lot of goals. Um, for those who don't know, um, so two and a half years ago, I was in a car accident and I'm still got my stuff and I'm still recovering from that. So to be much healthier, um, and to get my fitness, you know, all the way back is definitely important to me. Um, you know, getting rid of a lot of the pain and stuff is going to, is so health has got to be at the top priority. Right. Um, that's tremendous. Um, the nonprofit, since you brought that up, uh, healthier choices for hungry child, healthier choices, inc.org. We have, um, uh, two friends of mine, Alyssa and Mike are actually coming down tomorrow and we're going to go through the process. I am still going to be on the board 
as well as one of my uh, good friends, Austin St. John. Um, but uh, I'm going to be a spokesperson and board member, and they're going to be taking that off my hands to help take it to the next level, helping us do um, programs and stuff for healthier choices. So it's going to allow me to bring resources, but take the day-to-day -day running of the operation off my hands. Um, and that I've been, I've been praying for that because COVID really made it rough on us for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so for that, um, the next is uh, we have um, uh, Renee Roots, uh, Ruiz, who uh, is the former Mrs. America. And we are right now entering pre-production phase. Um, by March 6th, we're going to be in full production for her TV series, Rehab Rescue, Promise, uh, Pain to Promise is what it's called. And so we are going to be doing um, not only the TV series, but she has a whole bunch of things that she's gone through and she wants to create basically an Angie's List um, app, but, but for people who wanted to go through or not wanted to go through, but ended up going through um, them and their families um, through rehabilitation and stuff of some kind of addiction. And so with that, um, she wants to be able to offer these resources and everything to help people. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, that was a hard thing to vet out and find. And so that is a definitely a huge undertaking. And then um, um, my YouTube channel is huge for me to do because people have been asking for a long time and I have a different take on how I do it. I don't just teach about, well, I teach about how to cook food, prepare food, which most people don't do. They teach recipes, but I teach about making healthier choices and vetting out um, products and so forth. And then for martial arts, um, I recently rejoined Pylum, the first martial arts system that I was with, um, with Master Glenn Wilson. And I'm working, I'm doing some coaching for the children there. I love working with kids um, and doing some teaching and stuff like that while I'm getting myself back, you know, back to rehab. To yep. So what is one piece of mentoring advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? Wow. One piece of mentoring advice. I'm going to say, if there's a piece of mentoring that I can give, it's that if you've got a creative talent, while you're developing that, understand and develop the business language, the business style, understand that. So that way, if you don't have that, somebody else is going to be running your business for you. You're not going to understand what's going on. So you definitely need to have the business side. And if you're a business person out there and you have that business side, then understand how to speak the artistic language so that you can you can get a lot of clients and so forth, you know, and really bring it forth. Because um, I remember I had a scholarship, full scholarship to Cornell University. And when I got out of chef school, I was so worn out that I didn't go and I didn't know what to go for. My brother said, well, what about business? And I'm like, when would I use that? <laughs> no. Now you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, if I could eat those words, that would be my spaghetti. <laughs> and, and I, I, I very transparent. I do not have a business degree. I did not go to school for business. No, but I, you can but learn I, it off of the internet now. Well, I, I speak, I've spoke at Disney. I've spoke at Fortune 500 companies. I've turned around companies and businesses like uh, Bravo Development Incorporated, who was going to close one of their, one of their locations in a month. And uh, actually in two months, I had a month to save it. I've worked with George Lucas, um, designing cups for him for Star Wars and Jeremy uh, Bullock. All of these things who played Boba Fett, all these things that I've learned was from the school of hard knocks of business. Mm -hmm. And without it, I wouldn't have any of the success and, and stuff that I've been through. So if you're going to learn something, learn the business world and it's constantly changing. So it is, it is. Understand. How can people reach you? What is your website? 
how, what is your um, email or whatever you, I, I tell people, be careful about sharing the email because like we get a lot of downloads. You'll have people hitting you up for it. And it may not always be customers. It could be people on the sales side too, but nothing wrong with that. Anyway, how can people reach you? How, what social channels do you want them to find you? Okay. Well, the simplest one, um, if you're trying to reach me to find most of them in one shot, is if they just Google my full name, Brian with an I, David Robinson, I come up first thing on Google and all my social medias and everything are there. Um, if you look at Facebook and look at Brian David Robinson, I'll come up there. If you look at um, Instagram, Chef Brian David Robinson, I'll come up there. Um, um, if you look up any of the, the sites, any of the things that I do, One Orlando Productions, oneorlandoproduction.com, um, you'll find me there. Um, Tradition Event Services, which is the event company you mentioned, um, you can find me there. So any, any just Googling my name, um, all the resources will come up. And if you know, you're looking to intern, um, we will have opportunities coming up. Um, if you're a business contact and you are interested in joining our community and stuff, um, you know, we'd love to talk to you. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Well, Brian, I want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to tell you this episode, it's going to be like four weeks out before it airs, but you'll still uh, get lots of notice notice of people viewing you because we're hitting about, I don't know, uh, about a thousand downloads a month now. So oh, wow. nice, nice. Hey, and uh, by then, you know, we'll have our cooking thing going with you and because you know, yeah. you're really going to do, we can do crepes maybe <laughs> on uh, Maybe on Valentine's Day would be pretty cool to do. Uh, that would be fun. Yeah. You know, Chad wants to do a cooking show also. So you need to pull Chad into the conversation. Oh, oh, absolutely. I would love to. I'll, 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 I didn't know that because he is also a big cook and he went to chef school also. So you guys should be vibing on that. I did not know that. Now you do. I did not know that. I, I knew he liked food to work with food and stuff, but I did not know he went to chef school. And if he told me, I just don't remember. So I'll have to. Hit him up. He's an amazing no, guy. He doesn't always tell that, but you know, I've heard him talk about it a couple of times. And when he um, he wants to have a really big kitchen when he moves, he's <clears throat> he's going to be moving. And when he does, he wants to have a really big kitchen. And he said he's going to get his cooking show back on. Uh, I think it's on Facebook. Oh, nice. Well, we have a hundred streaming channel that we're going to be doing um, to put it across all platforms and stuff that anybody can tap into as well, including yourself. But I have to tell him because. Um, we're definitely going to be doing it. And uh, I've got a tremendous mentor. Can't tell you who he is yet, but he's out of California and he's got one of the top uh, YouTube channels for cooking and he's going to mentor me. Um, you know, you always want to find, you asked about things, find somebody who's smarter than you and yeah. that knows what they're, you know, knows something and they can teach you. There's always yeah. something to learn. Well, um, here we are at the end of the show. So I want to say thank you to Cat5 Studios, to our sponsor, and then thank you to our production team, our video interns, Chase McDowell, David Ullman, Efren Squavez, and uh, Keisha Perez, music by Sophie Lloyd, sound effects, Eric Peterson, Matt Miller, Dave Francis, and Miguel Zentra, and visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and, inc and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future. We are interns plus. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. I look forward to seeing you in the office probably tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be here. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. <laughs> you thank you. Bye-bye.